We're about to begin episode number 40. Jason D. Hamilton back from what? AAU basketball in Portland. How'd the, how'd the sun do in Portland over the weekend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Won, won, a, won most of the games and uh, played decent. And, you know, can't, you know, it's AAU basketball. It's, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of craziness, <laughs> but it was fun. Would you say that he did better, his team did better or worse than my picks in the first two major championships of the golf season? <laughs> oh, I would say he did far better, far better than your photo finish picks there, buddy. Oh, God. I had Justin Rose with an unbelievable track record at the Masters, right? Yeah. Number Number one player in the world. Never, I don't think, had missed a cut at the Masters. He misses the cut. And then yeah. I take, I think, world number nine, John Rahm, and his his high, deep, left-to-right ball flight on Beth Page Black. Everybody in the world's writing that it's a perfect fit for him, and he mm-hmm. doesn't make the cut. What were the chances that both of my guys would not make the cut in the first two majors? Well, considering it happened 100%. <laughs> One, one. How how uh, mad am I though that uh, I moved off Ricky to go with either Rory or Dustin, and I, which is fine. I was fine with that, but um, I was I was fifty fifty on Rory or Dustin, and I go Rory, and and Dustin goes goes second. But uh, that's the way it is. That's it's a tough thing to pick these uh, these majors, Mitch. That's just that's how it goes. Yeah. Ask me how many people in the Unfiltered Majors Challenge, before we start the show, of course, mm-hmm. had in the Unfiltered Majors Challenge presented by Evergreen Golf Call had Tiger at the Masters and Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship. Uh, I would say 10 people. How about 23 people? Wow, good for them. 23 are two for two through two majors in the, uh, in the Unfiltered Majors Challenge presented by Evergreen Golf Club. We have a 23-way tie for first place uh, going into the U.S. Open in just a month's time. And uh, so 23 people in position, although it's still not over. I mean, if you had one of the two and then you hit either the U.S. Open or the British Open, you're right back in the mix, right? For sure. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Uh, but n- none of the 23 are named Jason D. Hamilton, and none of the 23 nope. are named Mitchell Reed Levy. So No, but I do. I will say I, I, I am a fan of the way that the new calendar you like is that. playing. Yeah, because basically every month now in the, in the core part of the season, you've got a major, so it's like – one month, boom, next month, boom, next month, boom. It, it's a better flow, I think, altogether, having moved the PGA into uh, into May. I don't know if I've told you this story on, off the air, or neither A or B, but I'm going to tell it to you again. Okay. I was down in Florida with Brett, my youngest son, last April, April 2018, not April 2019. Mm-hmm. We were down there for my birthday which is also always Masters Week, and mm-hmm. either the Monday or the Tuesday, right after the Masters ended, 
we went to dinner. My son, myself, my mom, and my brother went to dinner at Michael Jordan's new restaurant. Michael Jordan has a new restaurant in Jupiter, or had it now is it now it's a year and a half old. It was mm-hmm. brand new at the time, and we sat down at a table for four, and literally sitting right next to us, not two feet away, at a table for two was Brooks Kepka and his girlfriend. Wow, hello. He was so close to us that I couldn't even say, hey, that's Brooks Kepka," Right. Because he would. So I had to like text it. I I think I may have texted it (laughs) to my brother and to my son. Hey, that's Brooks Kepka." At the time, he had won the uh, U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, he had not played in the Masters. He missed the Masters right. the year because right. he had a wrist right. injury, right? That's right. So yeah. when he gets up to go, they got up to go first. My son asked him for a photo. He was great. He was gracious. He took a uh, couple pictures with my son. The girlfriend took the pictures. I chatted with him a bit. I said, hey, sorry, what a bummer. You weren't, be able to, you weren't able to play over the weekend. Sorry about that. Are you getting ready to come back? And his answer was something like, yeah, I'm really, really close, but I don't want to come back until I'm ready to win. Something like that. Mm, mm-hmm. And this was the Monday or Tuesday after the 2018 Masters. He was a Boy. he was a one-time major champion at Aaron Hills at the U.S. Open, and since that, he actually came back and played the next week or a week later. And since then, he's won the U.S. Open. The PGA Championship. Didn't he finish second at the Masters last month? I think he finished second at yeah, the Masters he, last he month. Do, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the PGA Championship. He's won three majors since that dinner, the Monday or Jeez. Tuesday after the after the Masters. Amazing. Well, I'm glad you're not going to say that it was in part due to the fact that you sat next to him no. at a table <laughs> in Jupiter, Florida, because then I would have hung up. But boy, that's a hell of a run. Oh God. It's a hell of a run, but we'll talk about that as we, as we begin the, uh, the uh, what is it? Episode number four. We haven't started episode forty. Episode yet. Sean yeah. Kemp. No way, Jose. Sorry. Episode the Rain Man. No way. Tons of fun, and I love the Rain Man. Maybe not as yep. much as you do, but I love I love and I loved the Rain Man. But it can't be episode Rain Man. Tons of fun. Lots of stuff, lots of little stuff to banner about. I owe the listeners an apology as we begin episode 40. Last week, when we did episode 39, I promised my call to the Dairy Queen in tiny Monday, Texas, home of Seahawks first-round pick L.J. Collier. I said that in the lead-in, and then Steve, it it was a miscommunication between Steve and me, and we ended up not putting it into episode 39. So, in like... Two minutes or 90 seconds from right now, you'll hear my call, which you've heard before, right, to the mm-hmm, Dairy Queen in in, uh, in Monday, Texas. Big show, episode 40, movie mogul Max oh, is back. There's no bell for movie mogul Max? You I want mean, a what bell? are you doing? He's got his I own open. It. I did an open for him. He's got his own you open. Did- <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's getting, it's getting better every, uh, every show. And I said to him, hey, listen, Max, before we recorded for episode 40, I said, remember, this is the first time that you're on the the open and available show, the first time you were on a patrons-only show. So there right. was there was limited listenership. So don't be extra nervous now. 
that you're on a Uh-oh. show where everybody can listen to it. His face, oh God, if you saw his face. <laughs> oh. Classic. So we'll obviously discuss the PGA Championship and the winner, Brooks Kepka. We had scheduled yep. a Big Ben Wright. Let me see how. Yep. Let me see how much I want to say about this. Uh, ben Wright is not going to be on episode forty. Instead, he'll probably be on episode forty p. I spoke to Ben Wright as scheduled, but let's just say Ben had just come back from the country club. Uh, <laughs> And he that's, wa- that's pretty much all you need to say right there. For anyone who knows anything about that, you just leave that alone. Let the man be. He uh, he is he is a legend. Uh, just let that be. Let's just say he's eighty six years old and he had just okay, so leave it at he had just come home from the country club and I made an executive decision to say, Hey Ben, let me call you tomorrow, Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. That's probably a yeah. better that's that's probably a better call. That's that's a good you're a good man uh, for that, Mitch. Now you know there's a lot of people listening right now saying, Why didn't you just do the interview? We wanted to hear that that would have been the best interview yet, straight from yeah. the country club. But I figured give the eighty six year old a break, shouldn't I? That's right. Yeah. All right. right. So instead, one of the great cornerbacks in the league gets busted for PEDs and a masking agent. Arizona Republic columnist Kent Summers will weigh in on that. A remarkable college hoops offseason story. Who has, here's your trivia question in the lead up, by far and away the best recruiting class of the nation will be a preseason top 10 or 5 team in the national championship conversation. It's not Kentucky. It's not Duke. It's not Michigan State, and it's not North Carolina, and it's not Arizona. No. You know who that mm-hmm. is, right? I do. The University Little. of Memphis. Little Penny. Thanks to Little Penny, and I did an interview that is going to be, I think, very, very interesting. You don't even have to be a college basketball fan to be interested in what's going on on the AAU circuit and what kind of what kind of word do I want to use? Panache? What kind of cred? What kind of streak? This guy is... A legend on the mm-hmm. AAU. The, the the parents, the coaches, the kids don't remember him playing. No. But the coaches remember him in Little Penny and the and the and the parents, the fathers of these recruits. Apparently, this guy is like a whole different deal now on the AAU circuit. He's different than any uh, than Coach K and Jim Beheim and all the and all the rest. Roy Williams and Bill Self. It's Lil Penny has got something going on right now. And I know you're probably going to get into this in the interview, but you got Mike Miller as an assistant, Sam Mitchell, yeah. former NBA, former NBA head coach. I mean, they've, they've got an interesting little thing going on down there in, yes, uh, they in do. Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, and, yeah. you, and I want you to listen to it, and uh, you'll, you'll hear all about Mike Miller and exactly what they got going on. It's all brought to you, and we'll, uh, we'll have the Dairy Queen call here in a second. It's all brought to you by Evergreen Golf Call. The reason we have a trip for two to Pebble Beach to give away for making majors picks, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest headquarter right here in Bellevue. I'm very disappointed. I was asked to co-host the brand new Evergreen Exchange podcast last week by Tyler Hay, and I've been sitting by the phone waiting for the phone to ring to give me my schedule, and I I never got the call. Uh, Zeke's Pizza. (laughs) Zeke's Pizza. How about the NBA playoffs on TV in your family room with a cherry bomb pizza and some craft beer? Zeke's Pizza delivers both literally and figuratively 
Order online, Zeke'sPizza.com. Daniel's Broiler with four terrific locations, including the brand-new Daniel's at the Downtown Hyatt Regency, open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Still seats available, by the way, for the Mitch Unfiltered dinner on June the 12th. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com to reserve your spots. And the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, lots of people put off looking into refinancing their home because it feels complicated and time-consuming. The problem is, in many of these cases, it's essentially free money in your pocket. And Jordan Flowers and his team are great at dumbing it down and not taking lots of time. Check out whether there's cash waiting for you by calling the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage at 425-250-3150. Are you ready for the Dairy Queen call and the start of episode 40, Jason D. Hamilton? I am. Here it is. Yes, is this the Dairy Queen in uh, Monday, Texas? Uh, yes. Hi, my name is Mitch Levy. I'm with uh, a podcast in Seattle, and I'm, I'm looking for a little information on Monday, Texas. We're in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Tell me about Monday. What is your name? Um, Larissa Manning. Larissa, tell me about Monday, Texas. I hear that there's a, a former ball player that played at Monday High School that's a yes. Seattle Seahawk named L.J. Collier. You ever heard of him? Yes. Tell me about him. What do you know? I know he's my best friend's cousin. He's your best friend's cousin. This is what I want to know. Tell me, has he ever been into the Dairy Queen in Monday, Texas? Yes. Do we know what, what L.J. Collier, he's a big man, right? Yeah. <laughs> what does a guy like L.J. Collier eat when he comes to Monday, Texas's Dairy Queen? He eats burgers, I think. He eats, how, many can a, how many burgers can a guy of that size put away? He eats, like, burgers. He doesn't eat the vegetables, though. No vegetables on the burgers? No. All right. So how many people live in Monday, Texas? 1,300, I think. All right. And did you did you go to Monday High School? Are you from Monday? Did anybody go to yes. Monday High School? You did. Monday High School, they're the moguls? Mm-hmm. And the women's team is the what? The mogulettes? Yes. All right. And h- how many kids go to Monday High School? Um, like 100 or so. That's maybe, it. A couple hundred. Very small yeah. school, Monday High School, huh? Yeah. Is L.J. Collier the the biggest hero, the biggest celebrity from Monday, Texas? Yeah, I think so. Does everybody, does everybody know him? Yeah, he's he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah? He's friendly with everyone. Is he good at sacking the quarterback? Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is there to do in Monday, Texas? Tell me. Um, not much. I mean, people hang out at Dairy Queen or go to Allsup's or hang out at Friends. Now, I heard about, I heard about places called... Uh, the burrito shop. Yes. I know about Maddie's. Is it Maddie's? Yeah, there's a Maddie's over here. All right. So there's lots of restaurants for just 1,300 people in Monday, Texas. Yeah, there's about three. There's three. There's three. Yeah. Who can get me in touch with his? Co- you say his cousin. You know his cousin. And his niece too. Yeah. And his niece. I mean, she's right here. His niece is right here. Oh, I wanna, to her. yeah. What's his niece's? What's his niece's name? Jatoria Dawkins. Jatoria. Yes. All right. I want to speak to Tutoria. Okay. One minute. All right. He wants to talk to you. Hello? Hi. 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 I'm Mitch in Seattle doing a podcast, and I want to know all about your uncle, LJ. Oh, 
What would you like to know about him? I want to know all about him. We're big fans of his now here in Seattle. He's a big hero to us. We can't wait to see him play for the Seahawks. And I heard you're his niece. Is that right? Yes. Well, tell me. Tell me all about LJ. <laughs> I don't know what you want to know. I just want to know how good of a guy. How are you related? So He's my mom's brother. And what do you call him? You call him Uncle LJ? What do you call him? Yes. Yeah? Uncle LJ. Does he ever get you gifts for your birthday? Uh, no. He better... <laughs> <laughs> he better start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everybody knows everybody. So everybody knows yeah. LJ. And LJ, Uncle LJ is a big star in Monday, Texas. All the little kids love him. Really? I could imagine so. So the next time I see him, I'm going to tell him to make sure that he gets his niece a nice birthday. When's your birthday, Trattoria? January 29th. But I graduate. May oh. May 24th. You graduate from Monday High? Yes. All right. Congratulations. How about a nice graduation gift? Yep. What do you want from Uncle LJ for your graduation? Uh, Larissa, what's a good graduation gift? <laughs> he can take me on a flight down there. There you go. All right. Yeah. That's a, how about a little vacation in the Northwest? How about yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting started now. A little a little mm -hmm. vacation. A little vacation in the Northwest to see him play some football? Yep. Have you seen him to play a lot of football? Yeah, I used to go to his games here on Monday all the time. All right. And he was really good, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have him. And I can't believe that I called the Dairy Queen in Monday, Texas. And here's Trattoria, his niece, mm -hmm. his, his young niece, who's getting ready yep. to graduate from high school. So congratulations on your graduation. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it very much. Go, thank you. Go Moguls. Wow. Have you tasted these three new DQ Brandtastic Belt Busters? Like the Bullseye Barbecue Bacon Belt Buster. Double all beef patties with double melted cheese, hardwood smoked bacon, crunchy onion rings, and tangy Bullseye Barbecue Sauce. Stop at DQ now, because these Brandtastic Belt Busters are only here for a limited time. DQ, this is where we stop in Texas. Unfiltered. I don't know why I'm having trouble getting my arms around the fact that Kevin Porter Jr. out of Rainier Beach High School, out of USC, what did he do, play like 15, 18 games at USC? What did he do, average 10 points, 8 points, 12 points, 6 points? I don't know. what It, was. it wasn't a lot. He wasn't a, a, nope. a, a prolific. He's nope. the 13th freaking, and I'm not going to say the word, he's the 13th pick in the draft unfiltered i don't think that ricky fowler makes shots on sunday now yeah i will say this here's my caveat i think if he wins a major it'll be because it, it'll be because nobody else does anything in the final round and he'll hold on or he'll win by kind of default in the final round. i'm not saying that he goes out and he's a gagger i've watched him so many times in majors just not quite seal the deal. Mitch is unfiltered. There you go, our little uh, our little fun call to Dairy Queen and Little Monday, Texas. This is episode number forty, and I am bragging. I am bragging. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. mad at me. Everybody's going to be mad at me in the Pacific Northwest, but there's just no way I can choose Sean Kemp for episode 40 over Gale Sayers. I mean, you're literally 
going for it immediately right out of the gate yep. and you've been you've been teasing Gail Sayers. You, you didn't even give people the chance to even look at the list and think about it. It's Gail Sayers. Oh, there's no question about it. Okay. I don't think there's any question about it. I, I Now, I don't remember Gail Sayers playing, but what I was always under the impression was is that if he didn't have injuries that shortened his career, he would have been considered the greatest running back of all time. Sean Kemp, Ooh. Sean Kemp, was an all-star caliber, uh, highlight film, highlight reel, spectacular player here in the Northwest. Gale Sayers was one of the greatest ever to mm-hmm. run a football, to, to return a football, punt returns, kick returns, running back. Listen, in his rookie season, the Kansas Comet went for 22 touchdowns and 2,272 all-purpose yards in his rookie year. Yeah. Okay, he he was inducted into the Hall of Fame at 34 years old, the youngest ever inducted into the Hall of Fame. There's just no way, no matter how close I sit to where Sean Kemp was dominant, there's just no way I can name this episode after Sean Kemp. There's just no okay. way. I can't do it. There's no argue. I'm not even going to argue. I, I get it. Can't do it. Uh, it's available on Spotify, Google Play, MitchUnfiltered.com. And, of course, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, listen, rate, give us five stars. Uh, Jay Ham, there's two ways to subscribe, right? right? When I say subscribe to just the podcast, that's not. there's no cost to that. That just means it's delivered to your phone. Explain the difference between subscribing to the podcast and subscribing as a patron to Mitch Unfiltered. There's two differences, right? Yeah, subscribing to the podcast, you can just go right in to whatever platform you uh, that uh, is your platform of choice, and and just hit the subscribe button, and that's going to come right to you. It's going to feed right into your phone. It's going to tell you that you've got uh, new episodes when those happen, and it's a very simple process. Also, a very simple process is becoming a patron, which is going to the MitchUnfiltered.com website, click on the the patron button, right. Become a patron button, and uh, for as little as five dollars a month, you can you can get all the uh, the wind or excuse me the Thursday episodes the and second episode all the bonus each week. Content. Yeah, yeah, That's all right. the, yeah. yeah. And so I'll talk about that second episode in a second. But how did it? How did the week treat you on notifications from Apple? Did we improve? Did we get any notifications? We, I noticed. I, I noticed there were less complaints this week than last week. I got a notification. Uh, on the patron episode, but okay. it was uh, it was a day late, so there's still uh, there's still some things to be worked out on um, on Apple Podcasts. But I think for the most part, people are are getting notified, which is good. And you know the you know honestly the the fact that people know that they're coming on on Mondays and, and Thursdays helps. But but certainly, hopefully. Uh, the the Apple folks can help us out and get that that squared away. Well, the final determination from the Apple folks, and I can tell you that I have spent, I have spent many, 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 many hours on this. The mm-hmm. final determination is it's a subscriber subscriber issue. It's a, a subscriber by subscriber issue. It's not a Mitch unfiltered issue. Some mm. subscribers have different I, – I don't know these iOS phones because I don't have one, but right. there have been updates. They claim that some, some users have not downloaded recent updates. There's different things you can do. And so they are claiming 
the people at Apple Podcasts, that is, this has nothing to do with Mitch Unfiltered or our settings or anything about our podcast. This is okay. just a user-by-user user situation. So I'm, I'm doing, So what I'm telling everybody to do, and I don't know that this is going to work, is if you're not getting notifications and you really want them, to unsubscribe, press the button unsubscribe, and then subscribe. Subscribe again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm telling people to do. Okay. I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know. What do I know? Anyway, there you go. a few months ago, by the way, I was at a party, and an old friend named Jay Ashberg, he'll get a kick out of hearing his name on the podcast, he comes up to me about three months ago, four months ago, and he, he gives me the whole shtick that I've heard a million times. Nice. It's very nice. Hey, Mitchie, when are you coming back to radio? These stations and guys, they suck. You know, the whole thing that everybody yep. tells you. Uh, and I tell him about the podcast, and he's like, I've heard a podcast. You're doing a show right now? I said, yeah, I'm doing shows. I'm doing I'm doing what's called a podcast. He had never he had never heard a podcast. He had heard yeah. the, the name, the word pod. He didn't know. So I literally took his phone. This is three months ago. I took his phone. I said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show you how to do this. And I took his Apple phone and yep. I showed him the podcast and I hit subscribe for him. And he's been listening ever since and sending me he sends me notes every once in a while. That was good. This is okay. That's three months ago. Yep. So Saturday night, this past Saturday night, I'm at another party. And who do I see for the first time in three months? Jay Ashberg. Mm-hmm. And he says to me, what's the story with this whole patron thing? And I said to him, what do you want to know? He says, so what do I tell? I guess this is the question for you, Jay Ham. What do I tell friends when they ask me, should I subscribe to the whole, should I do the whole patrons thing? Are these real shows? How, how long are they? Are they, I mean... Tell me about this whole patrons thing. Should I do this? What 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 do I tell mm-hmm. a friend that asks me that question? The answer is absolutely, of course. <laughs> I mean, of course you do. And and the reason isn't just as obvious as I'm making it sound. It's 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 a if you want a second episode during the week, then certainly do that. But it's also um, the first invites to special events, right? Right, and it's the little things that you might get that uh, uh, that come to you a little bit early. So you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Jay. Come he, on, Jay. He he didn't think that we did an actual show, a second show yeah. for he did, he didn't think it was the same. And would you say that more more times than not, patrons are saying that they like the patron shows better than these shows, the free shows. I hate to say this. I like the patron show. <laughs> I like the patron shows better than the regular show. So if you like the regular shows, then you're going to like the patron shows even more. But that, that that's just me. I think I think we uh, you and I tend to tend to go a little bit off script on the on the patron shows and have a little bit more fun than we normally do, which is which is always pretty good. But yeah. uh, I tend to like the the patron okay. shows. But they have the guests, right? They have the yeah. guests, and they have all the yeah. things that the normal shows have. But we yeah. uh, we improvise we improvise a little bit. We, as you yeah. say, we go off script a little bit. All right, let's get to yeah. some of the matters at hand. What do you think of Brooks Kepka? How do you like the way he fills out a shirt? Is it a linebacker? Is he a safety? Is he a golfer? What is he? You know what's funny is he's huge for a golfer. He's actually not even that big, right? I mean, he he's a solid, solid individual. But when you start comparing him to other people in sport, he you know, he's he's just a guy. 
But compared to Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy and, and some of these guys that are dominant golfers, his stature and his physique is so much more. And, and you know, he just he looms over everyone, and he certainly fills out the shirt like you mentioned. Um, yeah, he's a physical presence out there. He hits it a long way. He's got the touch around the greens and uh, as confident as you're ever going to find a guy. I mean, the fact that he came out in that first round against Tiger uh-huh. um, and, and Francesco Molinari, the, uh-huh. you know, three guys that uh, are right there at the top of the game and just absolutely blitzed everyone and just was on fire from the get-go going 63-65. It was impressive impressive so he successfully now has defended both the u.s open and the pga championship yeah two different majors he has successfully defended his titles jack nicholas never did it right unbelievable stuff and we'll leave the the detaily stuff to ben wright in our in our what 40p on Mm -hmm. on thursday but i have the here's the here's the miss to me the mystery of the whole brooks kepka aura and story he comes out, as you say, he shoots 63. He essentially blows away the field. Now, yes, I guess Dustin Johnson got to within one when he was on 16 on Sunday. Yep. But for four days, this was like a coronation of Brooks Kepka. It looked like mm-hmm. there was not going to be any doubt. It was a no-doubter. It was a 500-foot home run, his yep. fourth major in the last eight majors. Now, what doesn't this guy do well? He... He hits the ball a ton. He hits it as far as just about anybody. He strayed enough to win on Beth Page Black and U.S. Open type of courses, although both U.S. Opens, I will point out that he won, were kind of on open venues. Linksy, yep. Shinnecock is kind of li- is kind of linksy, yep. and Aaron Hills, I think, was open a little bit. But the point is still the same. Well, what does he not do well? He can overpower you. He's got the touch around the greens. He's a good enough putter. He makes a ton of birdies. He does everything well, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the, here's the quandary I'm in. Explain to me how Brooks Kepka has played in 110 full-field PGA Tour events mm-hmm. and has won one time. How um, is that mm-hmm. possible? Jason D. I hate to say that he's disinterested, but there are certain people that are just built for the big stage. They're just ready when, I mean, think about in a very, very different way and actually in an opposite way, you have Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter in a team event, in a Ryder Cup, might be, might be arguably the greatest team player in Ryder Cup history. He is a very average tour player. Yeah. And, and I think you, you reverse that. I'm, I'm bristling. In, in, I'm bristling. Huh? I'm bristling. I'm bristling yeah. at the comparison. Well, you know, Ian okay. Poulter is a decent tee to green player. He's short. In terms of distance, he's an okay yeah, iron you're, player. You're, he's you're, a gutsy breaking, putter. He's a gutsy yeah, you're putter. Yeah, bra- you're breaking down the, the play, and I'm not talking about the actual what they do on the course. I'm talking about the mentality they have going into events. I think that's a very 
different distinction. And I think Ian Poulter's a guy that when it comes to the team events, he rises to the occasion. And I think the same can be said for Brooks Kepka when it comes to the majors, he rises to the occasion on the day to day, week to week tour events. He doesn't have the same fire and passion to, to put that focus uh, and energy into playing, you know, uh, you know, in the, in the Hawaii or West coast swing or the Florida swing that he does when it comes to playing in, in the four biggest events. And I, I think people are just built differently and, and he's built for the majors. That's, that's the only thing I can say. If that's true, if it's true, that's a if real. It's true, that's he's a, won four of eight. Well, well, it's an indictment. How can he not get himself up to play? Let's say he plays twenty-seven events a year, and four of them are majors. Yeah. You telling me he can't get himself? This is a guy who can overpower golf courses. He should be yeah. winning one out of every six, seven eight, ten starts. He should be winning three out of every 25. Every year, he shouldn't even have to get up for these tournaments. He's got so much talent, and he should be able to win. You realize he just won his fourth major. He's now won more majors than Jordan Spieth. He's now mm-hmm. he's now tied Rory McIlroy. He's tied Raymond Floyd. He's tri- tied Ernie Els. He's one behind Titskala. Mm-hmm. He's one behind Byron Nelson and Seve Ballesteros. He's two behind Trevino and Fado. All these guys, especially the American players who made their life on the PGA Tour, all these guys won 20, 30, 40 PGA events. This guy has won one time in 100. You're telling me he couldn't get up for any of the 110 full field PGA Tour events? I know. That's, it's incredible it- to me. He's won four four majors and one full field PGA Tour event. It doesn't make much sense, but the guy is as good of a player as you're going to find uh, on the PGA Tour. I mean, he just he he knows how to 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 do it in the pressure situations. It just it's very bizarre. I I wish I could explain it. Uh, somebody who is who's much more schooled in in that might be able to give you an explanation, but the fact is he's uber talented, and now it's a question to see whether or not he can just dominate. Because really, the narrative on television was, is this Tiger esque? And it is. okay, I think it is. It, it is in a major's way, but Tiger Woods has eighty one professional yeah. tournament wins. Yeah. He found so, a way to no. get himself up when he. That's when, right. I, I just That's I don't right. know. I just have a hard time feeling like okay, Brooks Kepka is not motivated to play week to week ever. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. no he's not motivated to play in the World Golf Championships. He's not motivated to play in the Players Championship. He's not motivated to play at a Jack's tournament at Muirfield. I mean, there's some really high quality non majors. He can't get himself up for any tournament except for the four major. This is a guy who's going to win U.S. Open PGAs. He should have already won a Masters. Uh, he, he was in position to win British Open championships. I, he's got the full game. There were some guys who won multiple majors, like Lee Jansen and Scott Simpson, who were like short and straight, really yep. accurate, precision players who found ways to win like multiple U.S. Opens but didn't win a ton on the PGA Tour. I get that. But not mm-hmm. this. But not this guy. This guy plays the game in an overpowering way. He should be a favorite to win every week. He 
he he tees it up and the fact that he hasn't. To me, I'm mystified by it. Athlete of the week. Want my athlete of the week? Yeah, give it to me. Did you see Bodie Express over the weekend? <laughs> Going solo? How about Bodie Express running without a jockey? Now, I'm joking because the jockey's fine. He's not injured. Everything everything's working. The pre have, have you <laughs> did you watch the preakness or the highlight of, the, of this of this horse running by himself? Had you, oh, of course. Well, the, the the out of the gate when he get the jockey gets bucked and yeah. he goes flying. I mean, it was on every highlight show in America. And then uh, yeah, after that it was it was something else. But boy, that was. I mean, could you imagine coming out of the starting gate and you're the jockey on that horse and you're thinking, all right. This is the Preakness, and we're we're ready to roll. And all of a sudden, boom! You're six feet in the air, right out of the gate. How decent though was the performance by the horse without the jockey? Yeah, the horse was right in it for a while. He's he's running yeah. he's running on the outside, and he's running by people. I guess not people. He's running by other horses. He's a, they're coming out. Did you see? Did you see the? They call him outriders. You see the outrider come out to try to contain him in the middle of the race. The, no, yeah, they call him outriders. They come out on the horse and they try to contain him. He was having none of that. He ran right by the outriders. He was right there in the mix. And then the race is over, and, and Bodie Express he decides to do another couple laps just out of just yeah. out of sheer enjoyment. I got. I, I mean, it was unbelievable. I got to wonder just how valuable a jockey is. I mean, the the, the horse was <laughs> was competitive without the jockey. <laughs> Uh, that would, that would be interesting to go jockey list. Uh, let's go just, jockey just, list. Just let them run. Let's go. Let o, run. O natural. Let's go commando. Yeah. No jockeys. Commando. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need to you need to start that. You need to start that the uh, the jockey list league uh, and just let let it happen. What do you think about your buddy Kevin Durant not playing in Golden State? Just not missing. Has has Golden State lost a playoff game without Kevin Durant? This postseason, they have not. They have not, and and if you've watched them finish the game that uh, that he went out in, game what was that five um, against Houston, uh, and then win game six, they they <laughs> they have looked as good, if not better, without him, and and I say that. Um, knowing that I think they're better with him. So no one should misconstrue my comments, but they, they're, they're the, the 2015 warriors. They're the, you know, the ball movement, the dazzling passing, the, the just kind of um, up tempo team that, that moves the ball extremely well to beat you. And, and Steph Curry is now the old Steph Curry. He's the prime scorer, the guy that they're, they're asking to, to do more. And, He's been unbelievable. So, you know, I, I, going back to the injury, though, Mitch, you and I have been talking about this. I, I still believe that they're, they're, they're lying in the weeds and saying that, that Kevin Durant could come back. I think it's a, a full-on Achilles or a calf. There's just no way the way that he looked um, after he got injured that it was a strain. But may, maybe I'm wrong on that, and, and maybe it doesn't even matter because the Warriors are playing so well. Well, I'm just going to say this about that. Kevin Durant's going to leave the Golden State Warriors during this offseason and go somewhere. He's either going to go to the New York Knicks, 
or he's going to go to, I don't know, the Los Angeles Clippers. He's going to go somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And the Golden State Warriors are going to be left without him, and maybe Klay Thompson will re-sign, and maybe he won't. But when he leaves in Vegas, the odds on them winning an NBA championship will not be as low as they would be with him. They may be a flat-out bargain. Now, if they go on and win it without him this year, they go on and finish off Portland and then beat Milwaukee or Toronto, whoever they play, without Kevin Durant, well, then the the odds will be if they sign everybody else back besides Durant and actually add somebody else in Durant's place, I suppose the odds would be just as low as ever because they'd say in Vegas, well, they won it without Durant last year. But, But if somebody should knock them off, or if Durant should come back and play well in the NBA Finals, when he leaves, they may be the best bargain of the of the century next year. Let's say they're normally, I don't know, three or four to one on your money. And I know right. you're not a gambler, but let's say they're normally three to four or five to one on your money with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant leaves and then better start betting everybody else. They start mm-hmm. betting, you know, the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis or their, you know, whoever, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And Golden mm-hmm. State's numbers start to creep up because right. they don't have Kevin Durant. It seems to me, and you know, you know better than me. You're watching it. They play. Something happens when Kevin Durant's. I think the number is something like twenty-three and one, twenty-five and one. I don't know what it is. They they have an incredible record when Kevin Durant is hurt and not playing this year for the Warriors and last year for the Warriors. So yeah, in part, I think it's a little bit like how James Harden is with the Rockets. Um, Kevin Durant is much better. Not, and I'm not saying that he he needs the ball in his hands like James Harden, where you give it to him on the top of the key or on the wing, and you let him ISO because Kevin Durant can catch it in the post or do do a couple other things because he can shoot over you. But certainly, when you give him the ball, it means that everybody else is standing there watching Kevin Durant go to work, and he's been really really good in, in that role. But I think the Warriors now the ball movement coming off of screens, the transition, everything is a little bit different without him. So it's going to be interesting, and you're right. I don't think the the numbers are going to change um, as dramatically as people think when Kevin Durant ends up leaving at the end of this year. All right, well, I'm going to talk more about that in our last segment. But before we get to the three interviews, including movie mogul Max, I'll end with this. You've seen the news about Patrick Peterson, right? The cornerback, the great cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals, was suspended by the NFL for the first part of the season for failing a drug test, PED, performance-enhancing drugs. He's out for the September 29th game against the Seahawks, and I think it's going to be either six or eight. There was some discrepancy in whether it's six games or eight games, and we're going to actually do an interview with somebody in Arizona who covers Patrick Peterson to tell us about the failed PEDs or the failed drug test. I just have one thing to say before we get to those interviews, and that is the man tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs and a masking agent. So let me get this straight. The masking agent, which is supposed to hide the PEDs, (laughs) not only didn't hide the PEDs, but was also detected itself. In his system. The company who puts the masking agent out has got to give him his money back on that deal, don't they? I, I mean, <laughs> it, it, they're not getting any more uh, repeat business, I can tell you that. I think the company that's making this masking agent really needs to go back to the chalkboard and try to figure out 
what they did wrong with I mean, this thing is this this masking agent is not working. Oh, it's not that's working. The worst. <laughs> that is the worst. You get no repeat customers. All right, three interviews, including movie mogul Max coming out, and then Jay Ham and I will finish things up in our final segment with some more fun stuff, including you owe us a song, don't you? You owe I us do. a song. A song that you have a little bit of guilt, an admission, a confession of a song that you like. I admit it on episode 39P, I gave you mine, you owe me yours in the last segment. I even actually sent out a tweet asking people to confess to their song, and we got a lot of reactions, so I'll read some of those to you in our final segment. All right, so as I pointed out, halfway home in the unfiltered majors challenge over the four major championships in the world of golf, presented by Evergreen Golf Call, and we've got 23 different human beings who have picked Tiger Woods at the Masters and Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship and are now two for two. And you've heard me over and over and over again thank Evergreen Golf Call for presenting this contest and rewarding the winner and a guest with an all-expense-paid trip for two to Pebble Beach with me in July, stay at the Lodge, play Pebble Beach, play Spyglass, all brought to you by Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest, and they happen to go way beyond the Northwest. In 2018, the Financial Times named them one of the top advisors in America. Yeah, they're headquartered in Bellevue, but with offices in Portland, San Francisco, and the Napa Valley. And unlike stockbrokers, Evergreen is a fee-only advisor. No hidden fees or commissions. Evergreen is legally a fiduciary to their clients, and not all financial advisors can say that. And that means they've got a legal requirement to make financial decisions that put their clients' interests first. EvergreenGovCall.com. GovCall is spelled G-A-V-E-K-A-L. Sign up for their newsletter. Join 10,000 others who read it. Or take a listen to the new podcast on wealth management. Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Just released Patrick Peterson. We discover a six-game suspension is set for Peterson, who started every single game for the Arizona Cardinals since being drafted in the first round of 2000. And definitely, definitely sorry what, 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 what broke out today. I think you guys understand my character and also understand my commitment on and off the field and also to my teammates and, uh, and also to the Arizona Cardinals organization. Does this change the way you think about Patrick Peterson? No, I, I don't think anyone cares about PEDs in the NFL. I mean, look, did it change the way people thought about Julian Edelman or Antonio Gates or Rodney Harrison or Julius Peppers or Aqib Tlaib? You know, maybe we should care because it's a very dangerous sport. It, it, I, it's I a, it's an embarrassing situation for him. It's an unfortunate situation for him and for this team. It's just another it's just another data point now to where, you know, there's so many things up in the air as far as how this new regime is going to get off the ground here. And so it's funny how certain organizations seem to always attract these kinds of things, these kinds of pitfalls, this kind of adversity that doesn't allow them to ever really get into the upper echelon of the rest of the league and stay there. Unfiltered. So there you go. It's the talk of the NFL world. One of the best two or three corners of this era busted for PED six games, including the Seahawks game. 
towards the beginning of the season. And joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is our buddy Kent Summers, Arizona Republic columnist, who was great to us on the radio show. You can follow him at Kent Summers, K-E-N-T-S-O-M-E-R-S. Kent, we just had somebody say on the NFL Network that nobody cares about guys with PEDs anymore because so many guys have tested positive and have been suspended. Do you agree with that, being close to the Patrick Peterson situation? I don't know about don't care at all. Certainly they don't care at the level they do, say, in Major League Baseball. And I'm not really sure why that is. If Maybe people expect uh, football players to, to, you know, just assume football players take PEDs or if it's that baseball records are so, you know, so sacred as the Dead Sea Scrolls or what. I, I think people are concerned much, much less in football than baseball. But what makes Patrick Peterson a little bit different, it's not just the standard four-game suspension. There's an extra two games on there, which if you read the NFL's policy, is for a, a diuretic, masking agent, it's something something done to uh you know to hide that you're taking a certain banned substance so then how can he say i don't know if he has said this but i thought he did how can he say that hey i did something unknowingly i didn't realize that what i was taking was against the nfl rules or has he not proclaimed that kent no he hasn't proclaimed that yet he hasn't said much of anything uh he has to be irritated about the timing of this news you know, it's the beginning of a, a, a two-day fundraiser for his foundation. He does a lot in the community here, spends a lot of money, especially on reading programs for uh, kids, et cetera. He, he has to be really disappointed about that and wondering why the news was leaked this week instead of next week uh, when he thought, you know, it was going to be released. But, no, he hasn't really said what it was he took. We haven't, we haven't heard any details uh, some, some people have suggested it had something to do with him being a type 2 uh, diabetic and that, it, you know, he was feeling down for some reason and took something to pick himself up, et cetera. But not, none of that's come directly from Patrick or been attributed to Patrick. How about the Cardinals? He's going to lose $4 million uh, of, I'm assuming this is the last year of his contract. He, at one point, asked to be traded. Have the Cardinals said anything? Do you get any sense of whether they're going to embrace him, continue to back him, and want him to be a future player on the football team, or are they going to run in the opposite direction? They're not going to run away from him, certainly not at this point. He's got this year and next on his contract. Um They've said all along, they've been adamant, they've told me we're not trading him. That, that was before this news broke, but I, I think that is still still true. Um, it's a team that desperately needs him. I mean, they it's not a real talented team, obviously, coming off 3-13. and 13, They need someone like him, but I do think there's a, a, a part of them, I would think, with the Cardinals, who, you know, getting a little, it's getting a little tiresome. You know, with a, with a rookie head coach last year and Steve Wilkes, instead of, you know, uh, being a captain and, and helping a team, you know, lead a team out of trouble. He asked for a trade at midseason, and now this comes up uh, with another rookie head coach. He's putting at a tremendous disadvantage. So, I, I would, you know, I could definitely see a year from now that they would try to move on from Patrick Peterson. He'll only be 29 years old this summer. He's still in his prime. He probably can get better. So, I, I would think he would command a high price on the market. But I. I don't think that'll be this year. Kent Summers is our guest, the Arizona Republic columnist, and has been following the Cardinals for a long, long time. Kent, what is it about this franchise? Kyler Murray excitement, then muted by criticism over how they handled Josh Rosen on the way out, 
and now there's this. It just doesn't seem like this this franchise can get any traction moving ahead, climbing forward, Kent. Yeah, you know, it was just a bad year. 2018, really, since uh, General Manager Steve Kime was arrested for extreme DUI last July 4th, it's it's been a really down cycle for this team. You know, then they go 3-13 and 13 under a first-year head coach. They fire him. There's some con- controversy there. Get, you know, letting Steve Wilkes go after only a year at the job. They hire Cliff Kingsbury. A lot of people wondered about, you know, about the wisdom of hiring a college coach who had never worked at the NFL level, who had been fired by his alma mater the month before. Um, but they thought they were bouncing back. They thought they were putting last year behind them. You know, like you said, the people were very excited about Kyler Murray. People were starting to buy in and be interested in what Cliff Kingsbury uh, what this team was going to look like under him. And then, you know, this Patrick Peterson situation comes up. So not uh, not ideal as they, as they head towards the summer. You think he'll be in the Hall of Fame someday? Can uh, these these football players, whether it be whether it be Patrick Peterson or Richard Sherman years ago, or do you think, you think time heals wounds in the NFL, the same wounds that don't get healed, as you mentioned, in Major League Baseball? So far, we have been obviously hesitant to put those guys in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Will these football players, if they're great, great players, be able to outlast this uh, this PED scandal. Yeah, I I, I think so. Uh, you know, you look. It, does anybody mention Vaughn Miller now with the Broncos having been suspended for the same no. you know PED violation? Right. You know, nobody nobody thinks of that. So I, I I think it's I think it's able. He's able to put it in his past. Maybe the one hang up will be, you know, did he try to to mask it? You know, it, it suggests he knew exactly what he was taking and knew. You know, it wasn't just a mistake that you know something was in a supplement. He wasn't aware of it. You know, maybe it wasn't just Adderall that, you know, other athletes say, you know, that's that's what they tested positive for. But, you know, the the guy has been in the Pro Bowl every year he's been in the league, seven straight times as a cornerback. Um, you know, his performance, you know, it, over over that time, over, a, you know, probably a decade plus by the time he retires, I think is going to be really difficult to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. He's not going to have great interception numbers. And I think voters at some point are going to have to understand how much opposing teams avoided throwing in his direction. But, yeah, I, I, I think he's that good. I've covered this team for a long time. The only Cardinals cornerback I would say who is better uh, was Aeneas Williams, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Any chance for this team to be any good this year? Can they win some games? Will they be exciting with the new quarterback? Or do you think it's just going to be a 3-13, and 4-12 and 12 season that leaves them way behind the other three teams in the NFC West? There's a very remote chance they could be an average team. and be. Eight. I think 8-8 eight and eight would be an unbelievable accomplishment. I, I look at, you know, even before Patrick Peterson was suspended, I had a hard time getting to five wins with this team. I, hey, maybe, maybe Cliff Kingsbury is the next Bill Walsh, <laughs> and, and maybe Kyler Murray is a revolutionary quarterback and maybe the defense bounces back and plays like it did you know the previous four or five years but that's an awful lot to ask it was clear last year the problems just weren't coaching this was a this was a roster that suffered it lacked in talent from a you know a couple of bad drafts by Steve Kime and I I think it's going to take a couple of years to to bounce back from that Kent I mentioned at the top Thank you so much for being a friend of the radio show all those years here in the in the Northwest and your first appearance here on our podcast. We really, really appreciate it and hope we can catch up with you during the course of the NFL season. 
Great. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic on Patrick Peterson's suspension. Six games to start the, the season, and he won't be available for that early season September game against your beloved Seattle Seahawks. Ever found yourself looking for a spot to have great pizza, a nice selection of craft beer, a comfortable place to watch maybe an NBA playoff game or your favorite Major League Baseball team? And here's another question for you. Ever looking for a good spot to take your youth baseball team after a big game with lots of tables and a staff that bends over backwards to make that lunch or dinner just right for the team and some of its parents? Or your spring rec basketball team or gymnastics squad or lacrosse club? If the answer to any of those questions is, yeah, Mitch, well, allow me to recommend one of the 16 comfortable Northwest locations of Zeke's Pizza. Dan Black and I are getting together in the next couple of weeks to come up with a game plan for Seahawks and Huskies game day viewings with me, and I've asked him to help me come up with a plan to take care of those that join me on a semi-regular basis during the football season. I love Zeke's Pizza for a lot of reasons, too many to mention right now, but what I will say is I will always remember their support of me back in the radio days, and now with this podcast. So I ask you to consider supporting them. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Hey, Penny! What do they call these shoes anyway? Air Penny. Hmm. So who you guys playing tonight anyway? Minnesota. Oh, Los Lobos! I guess you're going for the big numbers tonight, huh? Now I want you to work them inside, work them outside. I'm sitting triple-double here. Now, pin it, pin it, pin it. I want to say hello to my man Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett? Yeah, 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 Garnett. We went to high school together. Tell him little Penny from the science club says hello. Can you do that for a brother? <laughs> it's an off-season story, and it's probably 3,000 miles away, but it's startling nonetheless. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is columnist for the Memphis Commercial Appeal, Mark Giannato, on this incredible story of the recruiting class, the NCAA Hoops recruiting class for Penny Hardaway and Memphis. On Friday, they got another recruit, five-star prospect out of, uh, I guess, the IMG Academy or Montverde, somewhere in Florida. Mark, Fill us in. How, this is the best recruiting class in the country. It's not Kentucky and it's not Duke. It's Memphis. Uh, tell us about these guys and how, how he did this, how Penny did this. Well, it's, it's not just the best recruiting class in the country. It's probably the best recruiting class in Memphis basketball history. And that's saying something because John Calipari was here and had some pretty darn good recruiting classes. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's a remarkable achievement by Penny Hardaway. And it's proof of why he was hired you know ultimately memphis took a bit of a chance in that penny was a aau and high school coach here in memphis and they decided to hire him last year partly because of his relationships with high level basketball recruits and this class that you've now seen come together is a mixture of both local and national and it's kind of a it's a sign of Penny's pull both locally here where he is a hero having grown up here and he played at Memphis state. Um, and then also a sign of his career in the NBA where he was something of a culture, you know, while it wasn't as long, I guess or he had a 15 year career, but his star turn wasn't as long as anyone would have wanted because of knee injuries, but he became a cultural icon through Nike and through those little penny ads. And I think you're still seeing that pull from both directions. So you've got 
James Wiseman, who's the number one recruit in the country, who's here in Memphis and played for Penny Hardaway at East High School. He actually convinced him to move from Nashville to Memphis for his junior and senior years of high school and coached him as a junior. Um, so you get James Wiseman, and I think it all kind of came together around that because playing alongside the number one recruit in the country is a very attractive thing for top-level recruits, especially in this era of basketball where these, these top recruits tend to bunch together. They don't want to just be on their own. And so he also got DJ Jeffries, who was the first player to ever decommit from Cal Perry at Kentucky, who's another local kid. Um, and then over the last week, which has really kind of been the most remarkable part because, you know, DJ and James Wiseman both played for Penny and he had real ties to them and they were local. It made sense. Um, but in the last week, he got two top 50 guards in Boogie Ellis and Lester Quinones, who uh, are from out of town. Um, and then he gets Precious Achua on Friday, another potential one-and-done type recruit. Uh, he's actually from New York, but he played at Mount Verde Academy this past year. Um, and, and I should mention a lot of credit also goes to Mike Miller. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you the, yeah. yeah. I mean, so these this past week, Lester um, – Lester, Precious, and um, Boogie, those are all guys that Mike Miller was the lead assistant on. Got it. Those are, those are, those are originally his ties, and then Penny came in and closed the deal. And it, it's, a, it's just a remarkable achievement um, by those two guys. And they also got, we should mention, they also got Rajon Tucker, who's considered by ESPN the second-best grad transfer on the market this year. So it's Amazing. it's eight new guys, wow. um, and it's suddenly positioned Memphis. I mean, they're certainly, to me, a top-ten preseason team now with this roster, maybe even top-five, and I think a national title contender all of a sudden. So um, in a matter of a couple of weeks, almost so amazing. The, the voice of Mark Giannato, the columnist of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. You can follow him at M Giannato. That's G I A couple N's O couple of T's O. Uh, Mark. So in in capsule, we've got how many high school? So they got the one graduate transfer who some people say could play in the NBA. They've got yeah. what seven high school kids coming in, all seven in the top one hundred. Two five star and five four star, something like that, and they got one guy, as you say, who decommitted from Kentucky, and one guy who decommitted from Duke. From Duke. Right? As I say it, I don't know that I believe it. I don't even believe what I'm hearing out of my own <laughs> mouth. So going back to the Penny Hardaway story, certainly these kids don't remember him as a player and don't remember Little Penny. But what you're saying is their coaches, their parents the people on the AAU circuit, that's where his kind of cultural shocking appeal from yesteryear kind of plays into this, right? Well, there's two things. I think that's definitely part of it, Mitch, that, that their, their parents and these coaches remember him and remember what he did with Shaq and with the Orlando Magic. But the other thing is his shoe line is still very popular, especially with basketball players. Um, and, and Penny... What, what we've realized here in Memphis um, over the last year since he got this job is, is just how savvy he is. Um, you know, he's got his own style. He goes out on the, on the AAU circuit, 
and people are talking about what he's wearing. The kids are talking about what he's wearing, whether it's his shoes, right. whether it's the hats he's wearing. Like he wore a hat on the AAU circuit his first weekend out when he first got the job. And literally within 48 hours, it was sold out in every store here in Memphis. <laughs> Just his hat. Um, and it's, so he's, he's very savvy. And I think people did not give him enough credit for how he positioned himself to have success right away in this job. You know, he wasn't just an A, you know, there's a lot of NBA guys out on the AAU circuit who sponsor teams and are involved, but Penny really built relationships on that AAU circuit relationships that are very meaningful. Now, I think, you know, over the last five years or four, three, four years before he got the job, I think he had it in his mind that he wanted to be a college coach and, and positioned himself to have success and then made good strategic hires in, you know, Mike Miller could have, you know, Mike Miller could have done a whole lot of things. You know, he's a, he could have, he could have worked in the NBA. He could have gone, he had a couple other offers to be an assistant and, and Penny convinced him to come on this staff. And even though he had no experience as a coach, uh, as a coach at all, you know, Penny realized there were some relationships Mike could take advantage of too. And so you've got these two guys, you know, Penny, who's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, really like, I think the, the thing that's important with Penny is like, for instance, like LeBron James watched Penny. So like LeBron James has tweeted about Penny and Mike Miller's played with LeBron and Penny, you know, when Chris Paul came to town this year, he came to, he came and sat courtside just cause he's tight with Penny. Um, you know, there's, there's yeah. still, even though Penny hasn't played in a while, he's he's one of those he's one of those players who just made an impact on a generation, and I don't think that's forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think now he's making an impact on another generation in a different way. How many of these guys will be lottery picks next year? Well, Wiseman is James Wiseman is the number one recruit in the country. He's I, I would unless he you know, barring catastrophic injury. He's going to be a top three pick in my mind. Um, Precious, I think, is a potential one and done. Um, he's Some mock drafts have him as high as, you know, 10th in the 2020 draft. And then there's a couple other guys that, you know, you never know. Like, if they play well, you could see them being a one and done recruit. Boogie Ellis, the, the kid who decommitted from Duke. Yeah. I could see him having a big year and, and, and maybe becoming a one and done. Maybe DJ Jeffries. Um, the, the Kentucky decommit, like, again, if they play really well, and I think that's going to, I mean, honestly, the big challenge now for Penny is, is how is he going to keep all of these guys happy? Cause he's also got a couple other, you know, there's a couple other recruits that he got in his first year uh, on the job that are yeah. still on the roster. And, right. you know, you can only play so many guys. Right. And so that's going to really be his challenge is getting some of these guys who are big time recruits to accept roles that maybe they didn't think while they were being recruited, they were going to be in Um, because there's just, there's only so many basketballs and only, only so many baskets um, in college basketball. So that's going to be the next fascinating part of this. But, but here in Memphis, people are, I mean, no one's really thinking about that yet. Like people are just overjoyed. It's, it's, I mean, it's the talk of the city and it's really, you know, over the last week become, the talk of the college basketball world. Mark, can he coach? We know he can recruit. Can he coach? Was there evidence that he could coach last year in his first year? I thought he did a pretty good job last year. They made the NIT. They hadn't made the postseason in four years, postseason of any kind. 
and he took a team that was, you know, for the most part, Tubby Smith's players and, you know, made adjustments over the course of the year, um, won 22 games. He never, the, the key part is I never th- saw him look overmatched. Like, I, I think the jury's still out. Can he win big? Can he meet the expectations that are now going to accompany this team? You know, that remains to be seen. But I thought it was a good sign that last year, X's and O's wise, I never, I, there was very rarely moments or certainly not games where you went, oh my, what is he doing? Like, he, he, he called timeouts at the right time. He, he drew up good out-of-bounds plays. He was, he was good in crunch time. He never looked overwhelmed. So the signs are all good. Yeah. But I think, you know, this is the year where we're really going to find out just how good of a coach he is. Is it so exciting in Memphis that everybody's paying attention to the Tigers so that we can grab the NBA team out here in Seattle? Can we, can we do that? Can we slip the NBA team out of town, bring them to the Pacific Northwest while everybody's watching Memphis Tiger basketball and all these recruits? Uh, I don't think so. Like uh, <laughs> what you'll find about Memphis is it's a, the sports teams are like a civic trust. And honestly, uh, I think people in Seattle overlook the lease <laughs> agreement that Memphis has at the arena. Yeah, I know. It'd be yeah. very, let's just put it this way. It'd be very expensive for them to leave in the next 10 years. It'd be very expensive, right. but I wouldn't say it. Yeah. Uh, my final... I wouldn't say it never, n- no chance. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. Mark Giannato, columnist, Memphis Commercial Appeal. My final question is the most important one, and since I know you're sitting down, I'll ask it to you. The hat that you're referring to that sold out after Penny Hardaway wore it on the AAU circuit, I'm assuming, having not seen that hat, that that hat wouldn't even look good on, like, a 52-year-old podcast host. Do you like like black, flat-rimmed hats with a Memphis logo on them? No, I need curved I need the curved okay, bill. Well, I need the curved bill like the old days, like the ball players in the old days. I don't. The flat one is just it goes on and on and on. It never ends. Well, this was a flat brimmed hat, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I can tell you they were all over Memphis games this year. It, uh, it, it, it's just like I said, it's crazy how how uh, what he's done for this with this city. Um, how excited everyone is after. Quite frankly, I mean, you know. It just there was a there was a depression about this program for a while, and he he has instantly changed that and and changed it in a big way. Well, I'm sure TV will be coming in October and November. Everybody will be lining up to get uh, Memphis on the TV, and they'll be in the top ten or top five with all these guys. The number one recruiting uh, class in the country. It's not Kentucky. It's not Duke. It's not Arizona. It's Memphis, mighty Memphis under Penny Hardaway and Mark Giannato, nice enough to join us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, the columnist of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. Mark, thanks very, very much. We'll talk to you down the road. Let's visit again when we see how these guys actually play with one another at Memphis in their freshman years. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. There he is, Mark Giannotto, the columnist of the Memphis Commercial Appeal on that incredible story in Memphis about Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, and his recruiting class in 2019, the very best, and it's not close, recruiting class in the entire nation. He's got six or seven top 100s, two five-star, four four-star, unbelievable recruiting effort by Mike Miller and Penny Hardaway. Excellence. I know, everybody talks about it. How many people actually practice what they preach, though? 
I know Daniel's Broiler does. In fact, that's one of the very things that makes Daniel's Broiler so appealing to me is the excellence, and I'm sure a lot of Mother's Day dinners and lunches would agree with me after this past weekend. I love USDA prime steaks at Daniel's Broiler. I love the seasoning and the fact that the steak's flavor is seared into the steak in a broiler that's set at 1,800 degrees. But you want to know what I love even more? The fact that every time I order a USDA prime steak at Daniel's, a weight person comes up to me when my steak is served with a little flashlight and asks that familiar question, have we prepared your steak to your satisfaction? That happens every time to every person who orders any of Daniel's world-class steaks. And boy, will we be ever serving world-class steaks on June 12th for our next special evening that you can reserve a spot to by going to MitchUnfiltered.com. Be with us on June 12th for our special U.S. Open dinner. Locally owned by the Schwartz family, located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Be with us on June 12th at 6.30 for Q&A and Calcutta's and U.S. Open conversation and the very, very best meal that you can get in the Pacific Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. We haven't even reached the second weekend yet. Movies like this, people see two, three times. I'm going to see it a third time. I don't think either Toronto or Philadelphia would stand a chance if either of them were playing Boston or Milwaukee. In the I, you know, I'm not big for sitting through movies twice. I've seen Endgame twice. I've seen Shawshank twice. I plan on seeing Endgame three times. Are you going to be back, or is this a one and done? Are you a one and done? I can't speak about that now. I have to speak to my agent, and I will get back to you. Unfiltered. The early returns are in, in favor of M-Cubed. Dean Miller says, enjoyed it. Max needs to return for more movie reviews. Robert Mack tweets, loved it, please. More of Max too. Troy Graham writes, it's great, Mitch. You can get dry sports coverage anywhere, man. Tell Max he did a great job, by the way. Dude sounded like a natural. There is a similar cadence between you guys. Pops has rubbed off. Kelly O'Meara tweets, the show was a 10. Always great when you guys tell stories. J-Ham is an amazing partner. You guys have something special going on. Don't F it up. Just keep doing what you want. I will say Max was the star of this episode. Very articulate young man with lots to say. Randy Dirks writes, I thought 37P was great. Mix in some other stuff now and again. And of course, bring back movie mogul max again and again and then there's this email mr max mr movie mogul max hey mitch i'm a week behind but i have to say that i thoroughly enjoyed movie mogul max to hear his passion for film and to have you support that enthusiasm is really special to listen to we want more the part that really killed me was when max said his number one movie was shawshank to which you replied I let you watch that. This is followed minutes later when Max drops his number two, The Hateful Eight, 
to no response from you, Mitch. Now, either you missed his comment or have never seen The Hateful Eight, because to feign concern over the content of Shawshank and then not be floored by the reveal of his love for Hateful Eight, easily one of the most vulgar films of recent years, not to mention the violence to go with it, was truly entertaining. I can only hope that I haven't outed Max at this point. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Matt Hoysek. So, Mr. Max, do you have something to tell me about The Hateful Eight? I'll tell you it's streaming live on Netflix. Take a watch whenever you want. <laughs> Who said that you... Are you at the age now that you can watch anything you want? You work at a movie theater. You know, we, we should set this up because people that heard 37 people. There's a lot of non-patrons out there that are... This is your first big-time exposure to the non-patron shows, the regular shows. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of movies, probably some things. Like, oh, we're going to get to that. Like a movie I saw... We, do you want to hop right in? Because we can. this segues perfectly to the first movie I want to Well, people... About. First of all, Vulgar. people who've never heard you before don't know what credentials allow you to be movie mogul max they don't have any idea well, what we're talking about here. i worked at a movie theater as i think you just said it and i had to see movies which helps because well as of last week i turned uh, 17 but before then i was able to get into r-rated movies with the perks of working at the theater so i was able i've been seeing r-rated movies for a while in fact i've been seeing them for years <laughs> You've you know seeing them for years you know the matrix is rated r that shouldn't i don't be, even know what the matrix is really yes oh hey it's it's uh, it's Keanu Reeves, you know the 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 computers. Oh yeah, I, think I the, do know that. I yeah, think the, I do red know pill, that. blue pill. Now let's go back to the. You've been watching R-rated movies for years. Yeah, that was the first. I saw that four, three or four years ago. So we're talking 14, 13 years old. You've been watching. Isn't a thirteen or fourteen year old supposed to ask? Did you ever ask us our permission? To watch movies, or did you just watch them on your own? That time, I think I was uh, with a friend when I saw it, so I wasn't. You, you weren't here, but you know, usually you guys have given me permission when I go to see a movie at the theater. Usually, there are times when I see movies, and you know, we're gonna get to it. But I'm walking out of the theater on last Saturday, thinking the movie I just saw. We're gonna talk about Long Shot in a couple minutes. Should not have seen that movie. I w I saw that with my mom. With mom and okay. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it crossed her mind. Yeah, but is this the movie that she sent me a text right after asking me about certain scenes that she was a little bit uncomfortable watching with her then sixteen-year-old son? Possibly. I mean, just Seth Rogen is just incredible, funny, but he's also pretty vulgar, as I think I mentioned. But the movie has some things that you know I'm not going to say it because. There are probably some kids who might catch a couple minutes of this on when their uh, parents play it on the radio. So you I can't say, say it. Say it in a in a soft way. Say it in a disguised way, so, um, that, so the kids won't get it, but the adults will. What do you want to say? It more than hints at at. <laughs> what is this movie about? I don't even know. What it's this about movie is it? a reporter. Yeah, a washed up, kind of not really washed up, but recently fired reporter who speaks his mind. He does not. He's unfiltered, if you will. Okay. <laughs> and he meets and he realizes that this secretary of state who wants to run for president is his former babysitter. And the two of them, he, she hires him as a writer, and the two of them kind of fall in love. And So this is a romantic comedy. Yes. Do 17-year-old juniors in high school like romantic comedies? Because I love romantic comedies. And why did it you take funny. your did you, was this your Ma, idea My to mom take your wanted to see the movie. Yeah. And it was Mother's Day weekend, so I took her to see the movie. Okay. 
I, I, I may see R-rated movies, but I'm thoughtful. <laughs> and you watched it with your mother, and there were some yeah, awkward yeah. scenes that yes. you don't really want to be sitting next to your mother. Would yes. you have been more comfortable sitting next no. to your father? No. I would not have been comfortable <laughs> sitting next to either of you guys. I mean, it was funny. It's, it was definitely something I laughed at. The entire movie was really funny. Um, and, you know, I think I gave it three out of five stars. Three out of five stars? Three and a half, maybe. I don't remember. But thinking about it now, you know, you know, you get a little caught up in the movie after you see it, right after you see it. Uh, so I'd say three and a half stars now if I had to think back about it and compare it to other movies like, like that I've seen that are similar. Okay. But yeah, it was it was definitely a movie maybe worth watching maybe when it comes out on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to go spend all the money to go see it because movies are expensive. I want to see it. I want to see it. You want to see it, but I am not seeing it with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got that point. Uh, well, I understand it. Is it's you know I don't like these movies that are too complicated. Is this a complicated? It's movie? not. It's not. You, you go to all these movies that are very very. It's not. It's not complicated. complicated. You need to be a Harvard grad to be. Oh able to my understand god! You don't need to be a Harvard graduate to understand what happens in an Avengers movie, Dad, okay. or a Batman. Yes, movie. you do. Oh, yes, you do. You have no idea. Okay, what's the other movie that you're going to review today? The Detective Pikachu. Okay, Detective Pikachu. I just watched to prepare for this segment. Uh-huh. I watched the trailer for Detective Pikachu. Now this looks like a kids. Dad, do you know this what Pokemon like is? A Pokemon movie. Now let me ask you something. Do you know anything about Pokemon? No, I don't even know that you knew anything about Pokemon. Pokemon. Is is what? I don't know for sure, but it's about 20 years old. It's just about came out in the 90s, and it was the game. It was the game for some time on DS. And on Game Boy Advance and on Game Boy, it was the handheld portable game. I'm playing my Switch now. You see me play Super Smash Bros. Ultimate whenever I go somewhere on my Switch. People were playing this game back before phones were a real popular thing and you played mobile games on your phone. This was it on the DS. And it was it was good. I'm not a huge Pokemon fan. I'd never played Pokemon, but I did enjoy the movie. It was it was kinda it was kinda cute. I mean, it was the idea, the concept. It was kind of funny. It, it would have been better if I was a Pokemon fan. I'd say it's a, it, it's maybe two and a half stars. I've not given it a horrible review, okay. but I'd say to truly enjoy the movie, you got to be somewhat of a Pokemon fan. You can okay. go see it otherwise, and it's still well, pretty you want, good. You told me uh, off the air, you told me that I probably wouldn't even understand it because I'm not a Pokemon. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you have to have some knowledge of Pokemon to go see the movie. I mean, you could yeah. see it otherwise and still right. maybe think it's funny. But a true Pokemon fan would probably love the thing. I remember friends saw it after that opening weekend, and they were Pokemon fans, and they love the movie. They think it's incredible, five out of five stars, whatever so you want to say. So if you're a Pokemon fan, then you've got to go. Then, then you've got to see this movie. Then, then you got to see I mean, it's got Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. Can I go back to something that you said earlier that you probably would are not eager to talk about? You just want to get down to business. Yeah. And I think that people in our audience want to hear you review movies seriously the yeah. way you have. Yeah. And we're not going to dismiss that because it's important to you. But they'd also like to hear some other things. Now, you talked about Smash Brothers. And I think this would be... Smash Brothers is the is the game that you talked about. It's the about. game. It's the crossover Nintendo game. Okay. If you don't know what it is, it's like Mortal Kombat but less violent. Right. So this I, is a video game, right? Yes. And so when you work at the theater, you still work at the theater. You're, you're a prize yeah. employee at the theater. We won't say which one. Okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, you like to play Smash. Tell everybody where you like to play okay. Smash Yeah. Brothers. Well, because let's be honest, my dad and my mom don't really play. 
I mean, right. I mean, he had an obsession with Madden. That's a that's a story for another day. I had an obsession with Madden. Oh, you you were playing for like six weeks. Six weeks. We came home after school. You were off the off the air, and then you were playing as the Denver Broncos and screwing (laughs) some guy. Back in like twenty, this is twenty fifteen. They had Peyton Manning. They had the Von Miller, and he was he was running the score up on someone. Well, I just <laughs> I just didn't like my sons at the time, like fourteen and eleven, kicking my ass oh. on a video in a video okay. game. And I figured if I'm okay. gonna if I'm gonna play a video game, I better get good at it. And so yes, I went through about six or seven. Play two K. Two K. I'm not playing. Okay. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Okay. I'm, he's done. I'm so, certainly not playing Smash. Bros. Okay. So the, so the whole you, idea is that we play Smash at work. Bro. We you, play at work. And now, work. now we have a little TV upstairs where we in our break room, and we and we play there usually. But then sometimes when when uh, after all the theaters are done and everyone's kind of emptying out, we'll go into one of the theaters after after close and we'll play. We'll hook it up to a projector and play with up to eight people on the on the big screen. Yeah. In a so, big theater. Yeah. So. The theater that's hosting the Avengers, yep, could you, be an hour later. Could be eight people sitting in that theater, yep, with their controls playing the video game, yelling on, at each on other, the huge screen, yeah, wow, mm-hmm. and so it's, and, and it's how awesome, and, it's awesome, and how does that go over in your house with your mother and father? Typically, how, how late do you have to stay? I mean, what what time does your shift? At? You got to wait till the theater ends to do this, right? Yes, so yes. the so last not, movie, not, yeah, this is this is like. This is now. I'm. I can't say any times because because legal reasons. I got legal reasons for why. <laughs> say the times. It, People want to know. Three a.m. You know. You're 17 years not, old. Not usually 3 a.m., but it can be. And you know, I I always tell them sleep is sleep. If I'm gonna sleep from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m., it's the same as if I sleep from 9 p.m. to to 5 a.m. Eight hours is eight hours, is what I say. And and you know, as long as I'm not getting up to go somewhere at the break of dawn. Uh, it, they're, they're, it's not usually a huge deal. And then you complain when we make noise outside of your oh, room. Jeez, don't get me started. Brett's keyboard <laughs> is too loud. Yeah, at ten or eleven o'clock in the morning, he you, has a quieter <laughs> keyboard that he chooses not to use. Yeah, but you are complaining about us waking you up at ten or eleven in the morning because I'm out late. You're out till three o'clock in the morning All playing right. Smash Brothers on the Avengers big screen. Are you the best player? No. Uh, no way not even close really not even close okay can i thank you seriously here for a minute because yeah, because it. we did a segment recently on one of the episodes that you inspired about you once told me the story of the aba owners the the two brothers the two the brothers bro- who sold their team for like a one-seventh share in TV revenue for ABA teams and like 0.001% for Whatever all NBA yeah. in perpetuity. And they severed the deal. They made like $500 million and then settled for $700 million like two years ago. It, yeah. It's crazy, crazy. All because they didn't take the $3 million that everybody else got you, for, for... And you talked about... The, you t- spoke about the other guy, right? The John Brown, the guy, KFC... He sold, no, we didn't talk much about him. The big deal the with Kentucky him is Colonels, right? right? He was the owner of the Kentucky Colonels, and the, and the league said to him, three million at the time is the buy-in, or we'll pay you this much, or we'll pay you that to leave to, to give up. So he had uh, he either had to pay that, he had to pay like two million to get in, or he could receive, I believe it was three million. That's to, what everybody got to three drop. Million. So he said, "I'll take the three million, and then he turned around and bought the Buffalo Braves, who are now LA Clippers, for one point five million dollars. So he took he made 1.5 million dollars off profit and then joined the NBA. 
He bought the team for half of what the NBA gave him to stay away. And then sold that team ultimately Eventually, to somebody. for much maybe, more. Maybe even Donald Sterling. I don't know. Possibly. Before we uh, finish up, you have a passion for movies. You have a passion for TV. You don't have much of a passion for calculus. You have a passion for the NBA. You love the NBA. You love all sports. And you have thoughts on the NBA lottery? Do you have thought? Do you think? It, of course, Jay Ham thinks it was fixed. Of course. Uh, well, was- I don't think it was fixed, but I don't. I do think that you know a lot of people have said you know this is good. It's not as rigged. Teams can't tank as much. But I'm here to offer you a counter opinion in a way, and I'm going to give you not a quote, but kind of a paraphrasing of. We're going to go back a bit to I would say about two weeks before the NBA playoffs started. Quote by your your favorite team and his owner Steve Ballmer said the following thing. He said it on I believe he said it in the NBA. When he went on NBA on TNT and he spoke with all those guys, he said something in the general phrase of "We're on the we're on eight seed and we don't have any stars, but we're not going to quit." That's not. He kind of went over his team image. Maybe you remember that he said, "We're our team image. We're not going to drop out for a pick." He no. knew that he could get. They knew that they could get the pick if they had missed the playoffs. The Celtics' pick, which is 14th in the lottery, would belong to them. But they said they were going to keep pushing because that was their pick, and they traded it. I think it was part of the Avery Bradley deal, and they and they traded it. But they, he said they're going to keep pushing, and the team made the playoffs, and they lost their pick as like a sign of management culture. But the idea is that if you've studied how they changed the lottery, it's no longer 25% and then down. It's 14, 14, 14, 12, 10. I didn't know this. I know they change it, but I didn't know the but numbers. The, but the, I believe it's about the seventh spot is 7.5% okay. compared to like 3.5% before. Okay. Now, think of it this way. A couple of years ago, you're a team on the eighth seed position. You can either push for that playoff spot or you can drop for a 3.5% chance. But now you can drop for a 7.5% chance. Those teams on the border are the more teams likely, like are more this team. Yeah, like this year, like like teams like the Clippers, though they didn't. Teams like, let's see, I don't know who was eighth. The Pistons, Hornets, Heat, they're more tempted to say, you know what, let's drop these last couple games. Because now we have a legit... Look at what happened this year. The Lakers were 11th in the lottery, or 12th. And look at where they are now. They now have the final piece that I think will be used to trade for Anthony Davis. They were missing that big front-runner piece. And I got it. If they rigged it at all, it was just to send a message to teams to say, stop tanking. That was the point. You see the Suns, the Bulls, the Cavs, teams that were supposed to be 2, 3, 4, 5. They're 5, 6, 7, 8... These teams, that was the point. If they rigged it at all, it was to send a message to these teams to say, stop but dropping games. I don't think they rigged it. So is the package from Boston better than the package from the Lakers well, or not? if you look at it, the package from Boston would be the pick this year. It would be... Like 14 or 14th 15? is still a lottery pick. So the Lakers have the front-run pick. The fourth pick plus Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram plus Josh Hart is easily the best option on the table. To wrap it up, Yes, on the movie with Charlize Theron. Yes. And, and what's his name again? I Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yes, on that movie, but not with your kid. No. And maybe on Chikapoo. Pikachu. This interview is Pikachu. over. Pikachu. Maybe. Pikachu. P-I-K-A. Okay, but maybe on that if you're a yeah. Pokemon yeah. fan. Right. And what's your next movie? Dying to see Elton John in two weeks. Elton, you Rocket saw, Man. You saw Rocket Elton Man. John. You, you dined with Elton John. Once. I did not dine with Elton John. Kind of, kind of, sort of. Sure. All right. When you make your college decision, will you will you make the decision here? Will you? Will you? Only if it? you film it and buy me a hat for the schools that I'm. <laughs> we're doing this pro style. I'm take. I'll take my podcast talents oh, to, to wherever. 
Any last words for the audience on episode 40, episode Gail Sayers, who's before your time, episode Sean Kemp, who's kind of before your time. You don't remember any of these guys. Although you saw Sean Kemp play, you just don't remember. The little baby, you saw Sean Kemp play. Any uh, any parting shots? Any The Bucs are going to beat the Warriors in the finals. That's all I have to say. Fear the deer. Okay. Fear, the, fear the Greek freak. Movie mogul Max in his second appearance on Mitch Unfiltered. So my friend Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage has a question for you. Should you be considering refinancing your home? Well, that depends on the rates of your current loan, right? 30-year fixed rates are in the low fours at the moment, which means if you're at 4.6%, 5 higher, you should be looking at refinancing and lowering your monthly payment. Guild Mortgage can set the payoff schedule to the amount of months that you're already into the loan, so you don't lose any time on the payoff, but the biggest savings will come from reamortizing your loan over a new 30 years. And on top of that, because of the appreciation likely of your home, if you've got mortgage insurance, you could look to remove it now and lower your interest rate, which means huge monthly savings. Listen, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage is three loan officers that are in the top 1% in the United States, and they're huge fans of our podcast and supporters. So make sure that you call them and you mention Mitch Unfiltered when you call. 425-250-3150. Again, 425-250-3150. Over 55 years as a mortgage bank, one of the oldest around, the 2017 J.D. Power, number one lender in customer satisfaction, the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage at 425 250 Unfiltered. Three interviews, including movie mogul Max there, Jason D. Hamilton. This is episode number 40, and I get emails, I get tweets. Why don't you talk more about the Mariners? You want to take a shot at this, why we don't talk more about the Mariners? Jason D., or would you like me to explain why we haven't talked a lot about the Mariners? I'll just say something real brief here. Is there really a need to explain that? But sure, go ahead. On April 11th, Jason D., my birthday... Yep. They won 7 to 6 over the Kansas City Royals to move to 13 and 2 on the season. They're 9 and 24 since as of the recording of this particular mm. show. Mm. Mm. They've given up 10 runs, 3 times 11 runs, twice 14 runs, a 15 run game and an 18 run game. Tell me when you want me to stop with reasons why we don't discuss the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> I can keep going. When they lose, they lose it by big numbers. I mean, they get blown out. There are 30 teams in Major League Baseball, Jason D. The Mariners have given up 288 runs. Hmm. That's 27 more runs than the team that's in 29th place. In Major League Baseball. Tell me when you want me to stop explaining why we don't talk about the Seattle Mariners. And by the way, 160 runs more than the Tampa Bay Rays have given up. The Tampa Bay Rays have given up 128. The Mariners have given up 288. That's 160 runs more than the Tampa Bay Rays over 
over about 40 games. That's about four runs per game more than the Tampa Rays. Uh, tell me when you want me to stop answering the question why we don't know, talk more about the Seattle I will Rays. tell you this, though. There's a lot of diehard baseball fans out there, and God I'm, bless them. I'm one of them. And uh, whether they're, they're getting blown out, whether 9-24 and 24 in the last – since your birthday on April 11th, I, there's still people that want to have a conversation about the destruction that is going on in Soto. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Here's what I like to talk about when it comes to the Seattle Mariners. Okay. I like to talk about Justice Sheffield. Mm-hmm. One and two with a 4.38 ERA in Tacoma. 28 walks in 38 innings, not doing well. I like to talk about 19-year-old Jared Kalenic, the guy, the 19-year-old they got in the Mets deal for Robbie Cano. Yep. By the way, Robbie Cano's in trouble with the Mets fans. New yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't run. Boy, <laughs> shocker there that he doesn't run out of ground ball. Anyway, he stands <laughs> he stands at home plate while they turn double plays. Uh, yeah. Jared Kalenic, three fourteen in a ball, nineteen years old with a four hundred on base percentage and a five twenty nine slugging percentage. That's what I like to talk about. Justin Dunn, they also got him in the Mets deal. Twenty three years old, double A ball, forty five strikeouts in thirty three innings. That's what I like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Evan White, who they drafted a couple of years ago, 253, a couple of home runs in double A ball. How about Logan Gilbert, their number one pick in last year's draft? First rounder out of Stetson. He's dealing 42 strikeouts in his first pro season, his first full pro season in 29 innings. He's got a mm-hmm. 2.17 ERA. That's what I like talking about when it comes to the Mariners, not the team that's – Nine and twenty-five since being thirteen and two overall. So right. that's the reason why I don't talk about the. Uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Where where do we go from here? I think I want to go to. I want to thank everybody, by the way, from thirty-nine P on all the emails and tweets about the back. I got so many opinions about my back, Jason. Oh, you did. Okay. And and have you have you played since? And has it felt better? Have I played since, and has it felt better? I have not played since, so okay. I can't answer that question. But I now have all kinds of doctors that are either doctors, chiropractors, that they stayed in the Holiday Inn Express right. last night. I got a lot of people who know everything there, there is to know about back. So is I've there a consensus? Um, no, not really. Okay. No, not really. It's that I need, if there is a consensus, it is that I need to go to the doctor. Well, when you can't stand up after you've done you're done playing golf, probably I'm not I'm not a doctor, right. and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but I, I I can tell you you probably should go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. not to go to the doctor. I'm trying not to go to the doctor. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> that's dumb. All right, yeah. on 39P, I admitted that when the song. By Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Gaggy. <laughs> when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper come on my radio, yeah. typically it's warm 106.9 when I'm driving to the golf course. When that song, I think it's called Shallow, that song that everybody knows from A Star Is Born that they sang on the Academy Awards, when that song comes on, I just blast it in my car. Okay. Just blast it and sing along. And I felt... A little insecure about it, so I just came to. I just, I just admitted it 
on 39P. And you promised me mm-hmm. that you were going to think about a song that you were kind of ashamed, you had a similar feeling, kind of ashamed, but really liked. You were going to admit to one. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you got for me? Well, this is not a, I mean, I don't think it'll be mainstream. So it's it's not quite the the revelation that yours was about something that's current with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Give <laughs> <laughs> me Lady Gaga. You <laughs> Lady Gaga. Um, uh, but but mine would be would be a Beyonce song from 2011 called Love on Top. Okay. Full disclosure. Uh-huh. You sent me a text. Can yeah. I say this? You sent me a text earlier in the day before yeah. we recorded episode 40. Episode yeah. Gale Sayers. Yeah. Episode Kansas Comet. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, did you say become familiar or read up yeah. on or what did yeah, you say in the text? Be- become familiar with Love on Top, Beyonce's okay. Love on Top. I had never heard of Beyonce. I'm going to be honest. I had never heard of Beyonce's Love on Top. I know Beyonce. I thought you were I about to say song. you've never heard of Beyonce. No. I was going to say let's shut down this podcast. No. Let's shut down this entire no. show. Well, okay. well, well, well. Maybe too well aware of Beyonce. Yeah. But I did not know okay. this song. And okay. so I decided to listen to the song and I dialed it up on my phone. Not mm-hmm. on my Alexa. I could have I could have asked Alexa to play it for me in the kitchen. Right. But instead right. I, I dialed it up on my phone. Yep. I don't think that there's any reason that you need to be at all ashamed <laughs> that you like this song. <laughs> Not that I heard the song, but I watched the video. You watched the video. Oh, and I yeah. may have watched the video five or seven times. <laughs> <laughs> that video may be one of the more wonderful and underrated videos of all time. That video, I, I don't even know that I heard the song. In fact, I'm not sure that I even can tell you anything about the song, but I sure saw the video of Love the on Top. The video is pretty solid. Oh, my God. video is pretty solid. <laughs> oh but, yeah, that is, that, is, that is the song. And I will tell you yeah. that it is one of my wife's favorite songs, and she plays it a lot, and I sing it a lot. You do? A lot. A lot. Do your kids, I, I would do say your that, kids hear I would you say sing that, it? That, that is played in our house at least once or twice per weekend easily and really, really loud. Really? Oh yeah. Does anybody dance like Beyonce in your household? Uh, no, but um, if there were, if if she had the Captain Stooping jacket on, <laughs> the Captain Sto- no, nobody under the age of like eighty got that reference. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the Captain Stooping. <laughs> Oh, so God. just something to, for you and I to be aware of there. <laughs> <laughs> don't think there's any harm in that song so i sent out the tweet earlier on the day that we recorded this and i said need your help for a segment on episode 40 from mitch okay. underscore seattle on the twitter on the yeah. twitter everybody likes how um, i say on the twitter yep. Yep. I, I it says need your help for a segment on episode 40 i confess to loving and singing the lady gaga bradley cooper song on episode 39p jason d hamilton promised to confess a song in ep 40 
Send me your cheesy song, Guilty Pleasure. Turn that shit up. Mm-hmm. Hashtag turn that shit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you've said love on top. Here are some of yep. the here are some of the answers. Okay. Owen Allen says anything by Air Supply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ezra Stoker Graham. Uh, I'm outing Ezra Stoker Graham, who says she will be loved by Maroon Five. Mark oh, yeah. Moulinet says Sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. Moonshine Mickey <laughs> on Twitter says mm-hmm. Close to You by the Carpenters. Now, I love that song. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a, a shame of loving Close to You by the Carpenters. Yeah, That's a I don't know song. that a couple of these that have been mentioned are ones that are like guilty pleasures. They're okay. classics. Okay, so you tell me... For the rest of the ones that I list, you tell me guilty pleasure or classic, and I have the bell ready, all right? Okay, yeah. Big Mac says Annie's song. Ooh, probably a guilty pleasure, uh, even though it's – that's tough. That one's tough. Hey, okay, go ahead. How about D-H-U-G says Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus? <laughs> guilty pleasure. <laughs> There's no question. Jeff Sullivan goes pina pina colada. Ooh, I say classic. I think that's a classic. I say classic. Yeah, I say classic. classic. Becky Thomas, dog fan twenty one. Becky, who loves you, Jason D. Uh, she says the climb by Miley Cyrus. I think anything Miley Cyrus is guilty pleasure, right? Yeah, there's never going to be a classic there. How about Alan Sturette's Peter Cetera and Cher with After All? I'm thinking about changing my Twitter handle after admitting this. <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely a guilty pleasure. Uh, Rob Allison goes more than words by Extreme. I'm not sure I know that song, so I'm just going to have to say guilty My guess pleasure. is we both know them, but we don't know them offhand when we hear them if you and i listen to it when we go to yeah. when you and i go to zeke's and sit in the same on the same side of the booth yeah, and pizza. <laughs> yeah. okay here's okay. what here's what i'm interested in what you say because i have my own opinion about this eric gets tweets raindrops keep falling on my head that's a classic okay good good i think we're in agreement there how about yeah. how about becky fan is this a different becky yeah, I got Becky Thomas and Becky Fan. Becky Fan says, "You raise me up," by Josh Groban. Uh, do you have an opinion about this one? Um, I'm right in the middle on. It. I'm on the the fences in my rear end on this one. Yeah, I I tried to phone a friend and he didn't come through for me. <laughs> Which friend did you uh, did you call? It was you. It was you. <laughs> Ask your wife. Is she there? Yeah. Ask no, your wife. She she's she's unavailable for comment. Come on. Ask your wife. She could be the she could be the judge and the jury on this. I don't. I don't Tell even her to break think she's the gonna know. Honestly, I don't, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ask her. Come on, she knows. She, she knows you raised me up by Josh Grobe and everybody. Knows. Sing it for okay. her if you have to. Sing it for her. If you Hold have on. To. Let's see. That yeah. seems pretty dark down here. She it's might okay. not even be. She's around. Find her. Hey, Michelle. We're recording right now, and I, I'm, 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 I'm here to ask you. Do you know 
the Josh Groban song. What's it called, Mitch? You Raise Me Up. You Raise Me Up. You do. Okay. Is it a, is it, if somebody liked that song, would it be considered a guilty pleasure or a classic? She just looked at me like I'm crazy, like I had three heads, and she says, I have no idea. So that worked out well. Thanks for making me in my own house. Just ask her, is it a cheesy song? Just ask her if it's a cheesy song. Is it a cheesy song or is it a good song? She said, a little cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) She gave the little, she gave the little cheesy. Uh, uh, How about Fritz Riddle's REO Speedwagons Keep On Loving You? (laughs) Okay. Anything REO Speedwagon? Probably, well, I shouldn't say everything. We're going, we're going, we're going, we're going guilty on that. Uh, How about Jeff Bowles, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley? Never oh, gonna come give on now. You up. Never yeah, gonna let that's classic you cheesy. Really? Oh, classic cheesy. Oh, classic cheesy. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more, but I'll stop. I'll, I'll, I'll do one last one. How about You're Still the One by Shania Twain? Do you know the song? Yeah, I do. And I'm, I'm not a Shania Twain fan, but I, I, would, I would assume that's a classic in the, in the country realm. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's more of a pop song than it is a country song. Well, she's a country artist, but yeah, yeah it is a pop she song. She crossed over, as they like to say, in the business. In the business. I like I happen to like that song a lot, but I think it's cheesy. I really like that song. Like I will sing that song. That's one that I will I will pump up in the car and sing, but be ashamed that I'm singing it. Yes. So can I give you a little little J Him insider? Yeah. I'm not a huge music guy. My wife is big, big on music. I mean, she, she, she needs it in her life. It, it, it gives her life. Yeah. Music does. She, her father was a musician, is a musician. She's a self-taught pianist. She, she likes music. I, I'm not really into music that way. But hearing you talk about songs that you would pump up yes. m- makes me wish that we had a little... Mitch Levy cam in the car <laughs> just to see the songs and your reaction and oh, your singing. Oh. I, I, I would actually, I would subscribe to that. Is that a, oh. is that a, is that a patron episode? I don't know how I would do that. I don't know that I could do that, but yes, it would be funny. It would definitely be funny. And I do sing and I sing loud and not well, but when the songs come on <laughs> and they're mostly cheesy, they're mostly cheesy. We got a ton of emails as we conclude this episode, Gail Sayers. I just want you to know that we got a ton of emails and tweets commending you and telling everybody, telling me how moving your story about your mom was on episode Mm. number 39. Sorry, 39. Yeah, uh, last well, I appreciate week. that. That was, a, that was a great story and just a wonderful story. And we're all so appreciative that you shared it with us. But everybody, everybody was moved. Some moved to tears. Very, very nice story in episode 39. So thanks for sharing it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the people who reached out and who said that. And it's, it's you know, I know that not everybody's story ends that way. And so, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, understanding of that. So, um it's uh you know it's one of those things that life is 
bizarre that way, but uh, certainly appreciative to, to have her. Ryan Hurst tweeted the following. He asked Mitch in Seattle and Jason D. Hamilton, you probably saw this, Mitch wondering if you've ever done your Marv Albert impression for Marv himself. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And oh, the man. answer to that question is yes. Yes, it's yes. Adda, How did it go? And a foul hearing it from the crowd. Um, <laughs> it was very interesting. So, and I'll tell more of these stories some other time, but I, I produced, when I broke into the business after college, into the business, I produced business. the radio show for Tony Kornheiser. Mm-hmm. Tony Kornheiser was a Washington Post columnist, had never really done regular radio, no, no, no TV, no Monday Night Football, no Pardon the Interruption. He was a columnist, and he let you know that he was a columnist, and he was signed to do a local Washington, D.C. radio show. <clears throat> and I was his producer before it went, before it actually, the station went on the air. We brought the show to life. And mm-hmm. I was a producer slash voice you know, I had a microphone and I would do funny little comments and Im- imitations and so forth. And everybody loved Tony. Everybody knew Tony. Even though he was only a Washington Post columnist, he was a syndicated columnist. So everybody knew him, even though mm-hmm. he hadn't he hadn't grown to the fame that he has now. Right. And he loved my Marv Albert imitation. And he made me do my Marv Albert imitation all the time. I read letters as Marv. I read I read newspaper clippings as Marv. I read the dictionary as Marv. Anything I he could do. and every so often he'd say, Mitch Mitchie, I want you to do the Marv Albert today. I want you to do the Marv Albert today. So fast forward a few months into the run, he we schedule Marv Albert on the show for the first time. Marv Albert has no idea who I am, and he still doesn't know who I am. Right. And Kornheiser calls me the night before, and he says, I just want you to know, I want you to introduce Marv as Marv. (laughs) Oh, boy. And so he's on the line. We come out of the break. Kornheiser normally comes right out of the break and introduces the guest, but not this time. So Marv is on, and I break into something like, Welcome back to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Joining us <laughs> on the hotline is a friend of the fight doctor, Ferdy Pacheco. Here he is, Marv Albert. Yes, hearing it from the crowd, or some, something like that. <laughs> oh. Tony is hysterical in there yeah. laughing. Yeah. And he stops and there's like a huge pause as if Marv hadn't even heard it. Like he wasn't even paying attention. Like what you do to me half the time. You're not paying attention. <laughs> no way. There's like two seconds of dead air. And we're all wondering, you know, Tony's laughing. I've now I'm so I've never been so nervous in my life to do a Marv Albert imitation for Marv Albert on the phone line. I've right. gone through I've been practicing all morning. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm recording my voice. I'm trying to do it as best as I can. And now the moment of truth and seconds go by, nothing from the phone. And all of a sudden I hear a very solid performance. <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. He says he says something like solid, perhaps unspectacular, but solid somewhere in the B plus range. Something, something, something like that. <laughs> Good stuff right there, Mr. Levy. Uh, there it is. Uh, you got anything else? Because I got nothing else. Not for this episode. Okay. Then I'm going to take us out. Can I do that? You can. Episode Gail Sayers. Sorry, Sean Kemp. We all love you. But Gail Sayers is truly one of the greatest that ever played in the National Football League. Episode Gail Sayers. Episode The Kansas Common is in the books. <laughs>